Let's join together in our prayer of illumination. Eternal God, quiet within us all mortal voices, that through the story of the passion and by the power of your Holy Spirit we may have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Again, I'll be reading two lessons today. The first one from 1 Peter, and then we'll read again from Luke. So hear these words from Peter's first letter. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And now hear these words from Luke. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in front of the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. There was a Buddhist woman who was tending to her son who was dying. He was her only child and she was in anguish over what he was going through, over his condition. She went to a a local healer and asked if he could do anything to make her son well. He said, there is a potion, but you need to obtain a mustard seed from one of your neighbors. Her hope began to swell up in her heart as she thought how easy this would be. But the healer then stopped her and said, before you may take the seed from that home, go, you must ask this question. You must ask your neighbors before you take that seed, has death visited this home? 
If so, then you may not take the seed. She went right out with all that hope and began canvassing the village. At first, at the first home, a man opened the door. She said, do you have a mustard seed that I may have? The man looked a little perplexed, but said, yes, yes, I do. She felt her hope begin to blossom, and then she remembered what the healer told her to ask. She said, before you give that seed to me, I must ask this question. Has death come to this house? The man's eyes began to well up with tears, and he mumbled to her that his wife of 40 years died just last week. Her heart sunk, but she continued on her quest. The next home had a mustard seed as well, but the woman who answered the door told her that her mother died last year. It wasn't long before she realized that death had visited every one of her neighbors. She returned home heartbroken as she held her dying son, who breathed his last breath later that evening. Whether it's death, pain and suffering, or anguish, no matter what it is we are searching for, the experience of pain is universal. We, like the psalmist, sometimes cry out when this pain, how long, O Lord, how long? How long must we wrestle with our thoughts and sorrow that we have in our hearts? How long will our enemies continue to assail us? No matter who we are, we all have tasted the bitterness of suffering and pain. And it is very clear to me, no matter where I've served, that there is an inordinate amount of pain within people around me and within our own community. Whether it be difficulties in relationships, issues with youth and children, things changing too much, things not changing fast enough, job loss, political turmoil, we have our fair share of sufferings and pain and anguish. The people suffering are undoubtedly and often those sitting right next to us or walking alongside us. In Luke, Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, on the plain actually. People came from near and far to hear and be healed by this man. The most read version of this passage says, Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible called The Message says, You're blessed when the tears flow freely. Joy comes in the morning. Too often when bad things happen to good people, we anesthetize ourselves to the pain. Or if it happens to us, we say, I can't feel this way. I have to be strong. What do we tell our children sometimes? Suck it up, walk it off, you'll be okay. You need to be strong, don't cry. After all, that is, is it any wonder that our society has problems as it does. Through suffering and pain, we pick up the weight of it, and sometimes we don't know what to do with it, so we stuff it down inside of ourselves until we say, you know what, I'll just deal with it later. But later becomes tomorrow, tomorrow becomes next month, next month becomes the next six months, becomes five years, ten years. We try, I repeat, try, to find ways to move pain aside some people turn to alcohol, others drugs. Some dive into extramarital relationships. Some 
resort to violence. Arguments become the normal conversation. Others turn to just vegging out, as it were, dropping themselves in front of the TV or video games for hours and just zoning out. Others turn to food in an attempt to comfort themselves by feeling that fullness. We withdraw within ourselves, refusing to talk about anything. We refuse to deal with each other. We don't think we need the help, right? After all, I'm not going to tell private stuff to my pastor or anyone else for that matter. The more we push it down, the more we pile on top, before you know it, one simple comment or situation sets us off. It's like a cartoon I saw some time ago in a newspaper. There was a group of reporters asking President Bush about the economy and jobs, the war on terror, etc. And he responded to them by pointing to the sky and saying, look, Mars. We try to shift our focus. We try to throw ourselves and others off the trail of that pain. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'm all good. You're blessed when the tears flow freely. The joy will come in the morning, the Bible says. In this fast-paced world, we move from one thing to the next, and we sing to ourselves that Carly Simon song. You know which one I'm talking about. I haven't got time for the pain. Jesus is making clear to us that we must take that time to deal with pain and to deal with the anguish. For it is within that period of time that we find the glory and strength of God to move forward. To move forward and allow that part of our life to end and to make the journey into something new. We often talk about beginnings and endings as if that's it. There isn't anything else, nothing in between. We should look at beginnings and endings in our lives as cycles. In the itinerant system of the Methodist Church, bad endings in pastoral leadership often lead to bad beginnings. As an itinerant pastor, I know that someday I'll probably be asked to go to a new appointment. It's in that ending I have a choice. I can stake my claim by refusing to go anywhere, causing pain in the church, my family, pain for the one who's following me, or I can choose to embrace my call and provide the best ending I can to provide the person following me with a good beginning. We often hear the phrase, let go and let God. And while that's a valid phrase, and we should give some of our burden to God, that doesn't abdicate our responsibility that we have in God's plan for our lives or the importance of getting help when we need it. In other words, giving the burden to God to deal with doesn't remove any of the pain. I heard a story of a woman who one night sat by her bed. She had a glass of water in one hand and pills in the other. Before she could do anything, she had an experience with the holy. Christ came to her in her hour of need to provide comfort, to provide direction for her. She had been counseled, but really wanted a Christian counselor. In meeting with that counselor, she was concerned because everything that this woman said began with, Jesus told me to. For example, Jesus told me what to wear today when I came to see you. When asked if Jesus told her everything that she must do, she said, 
Of course. In fact, she relayed the story of asking Jesus what to have for breakfast, and when she saw what her son was eating, she beat him because that wasn't what Jesus wanted him to have for breakfast. To make a long story short, she finally admitted how empty she was feeling through screaming the phrase at the top of her lungs, I am nothing. The counselor found out that she had been badly abused by her father. In abdicating her choices and putting the onus on Christ, she could avoid all of the pain being told how worthless she was. As long as she was not challenged, she was fine in her world. But being forced to come out into the real world brought out all of that pain and anguish. As people of God, as disciples of Jesus Christ, Aren't we supposed to be different? I don't mean we don't suffer or have painful things that haunt us every now and then. But shouldn't the church and shouldn't our community of faith be a place where we can confront the issues? Confront them with each other without worrying that we will offend one another. By approaching the pain we bear, we do exactly what Christ did that night long ago. Before the scripture I read in Luke, in that garden, Christ had the opportunity to tune out God and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to just put this on hold for a while. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) But the true voice, the true connection between father and son made it clear, not my will but thine be done. After praying, he faced the situations we read today. An ending which led to a wilderness, a desert time in which he was chained and beaten, spit upon, betrayed, and set on a cross to die. But in that ending was a new beginning. In that ending was a lifting of all the weight of the world's sin and placing on the shoulder, all of it, on the shoulders of a carpenter from Nazareth. So that the world could end one way of life, and begin something new. A new life which friends bear one another's burdens, where honest and straightforward communication replace yelling and screaming and name-calling and gossip. A life which can draw on strength from God through Jesus Christ. And we can make choices to move ourselves because and become what Christ has called us to be, his disciples and God's children. When the weights are taken off by God and we do the hard work, it's amazing the new perspectives that you can see. The blind will see, the lame will walk, the captives will be set free. Henry Nouwen once wrote that our culture has become most sophisticated in the avoidance of pain. Not only our physical pain, but our emotional and mental pain as well. We not only bury our dead as if they were still alive, but we also bury our pain as if those pains aren't really there. We've become so used to this state of what he calls anesthesia that we panic when there's nothing or nobody that's left to distract us from our pain. When we have no project to finish, no friend to visit, no book to read, no television to watch, no recording to listen to, no music to play, 
And when we are left alone by ourselves, we are brought so close to the revelation of our basic human aloneness. And we become afraid. So afraid of experiencing an all-pervasive sense of loneliness that we will do anything to be able to get busy again and continue that game, which makes us believe that everything is fine. I'm good. And so we keep going. We just keep going and going. But we can't go on like that forever. Sooner or later, it has to stop. You and I have to stop. We have to stop bearing the pain and the experience it and use it as a life lesson and move forward. We may have suffered pain, but we are called to use that experience to show compassion as God has shown compassion, as Christ shows compassion, as the Father showed the Son compassion in the prodigal son story. We've heard that hymn time and again, softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Come home. Come home. There's a yearning in that classic hymn. Knowing that divine love visibly seen in the waters of baptism and in the bread and the cup of Holy Communion, how then shall we live this life? How can we not practice courageous compassion, entering into the pain of the world, walking with others through the darkest valleys, helping others catch a glimpse of the home around the bend and our victory in Jesus? Doesn't sacred love defy all logic as we risk being vulnerable in offering compassion to other people? Regardless of whether it's deserved or undeserved, that's what grace is. What is the compassion and the grace of God? It is we are welcomed home no matter what. God's house is open and the feast of victory awaits us. Living Lent means knowing that in Christ all pain is defeated and we as the people of the resurrection have a place with our God. As you go through your week, I encourage you to take the walk through your pain as Christ did headed toward the cross. You will not be alone. We will be here for you, but more importantly, God and Christ will be with you. And I encourage you to remember these words from Isaiah. You will see the glory of God and he will strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, And tell the fearful hearts to be strong and not fear, for your God will come. Amen. As we come together as God's children, we're called upon to pray for one another.